yummy food, chocolate, Tim Tams, chocolate biscuits. As I share those words, food, chocolate, chocolate biscuits, uh, what words come into your head? What feelings come into your body? And it's a really, as an exercise professional, this is a really interesting question for me to ask and I ask everybody because is it possible that those words create very big emotions, strong emotions for some people and zero emotions for others? Is it possible that if I say food, hungry, do you want some chocolate, do you want a chocolate biscuit, that some people go, yeah, I'm hungry, I'll have a chocolate biscuit and they eat it and enjoy it and move on and forget that they even ate it. And is it possible that there are other people that if I say food, are you hungry? Would you like a chocolate? Would you like a chocolate biscuit? That creates some really horrible experiences, feelings, emotions in their brain. And uh, this is called uh, eating challenges. You might have heard the word eating disorders, where your relationship with food is uncomfortable, it's uh, emotional, it makes you feel bad. And uh, it's one of those things that I wish never existed. I wish that everybody had a beautiful relationship with food. If I could, uh, out of the sky, create this pink box and give it to you, and inside there was a relationship with food that goes like this. Eat when you're hungry. Stop eating when you're full. Enjoy everything that you eat. Don't eat food that you don't like. Eat all the foods that you love. Don't worry about how much you eat. Just stop eating when you're full and just love your food. Really enjoy your food from a performance point of view because obviously we need vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals and calories for energy and we need food. But what about the pleasure of eating food? Uh, I would love that for everybody. However, I'm not naive. I used to be. <laughs> I'm not naive anymore. Uh, having worked with... Uh, created emotional attachments and bonds with people who have not just an ugly relationship with food, but they hate it. They don't want to eat food. Uh, every time they're confronted with food, whether it's psychologically in their own brain or it actually appears in front of them, they have a really uh, horrible conversation inside their own brain, uh, described as a war, and for some people, as I often say, or they've shared with me, a nuclear war. It's the, the devastation of I oh, this food thing. Should I eat this? Shouldn't I eat this? How many calories are in this food? How many fat grams are in this food? How much sugar is in this food? How long do I need to exercise to burn this food off? Uh, should I be eating this? I really want to eat it, but I can't. It's bad for me. Tim Tams have got so many calories. I really want to have one because I really like Tim Tams and I can smell how yummy they are, but I really shouldn't have it because I really don't want to eat food. I don't want to be fat. I don't want to put on weight. I'm scared of putting on weight. And there's this whole war, emotional, ugly, horrible war that goes on in the side, inside of some people's heads whenever they are confronted, not just with food, but when they think about food. So there's some people who will share with, with, you, with you if they're being open and honest, as my, as my clients have been with me, that they wake up at the beginning of the day and their whole day is focused on 
when will I eat food, how will I eat food, how can I get out of eating food, everywhere I'm going, what kind of food will be there, uh, do I have to eat food when I'm there, I don't want to eat food, how can I get out of it, what lies can I tell people about oh, I've already eaten or I'd, I've, I've had lunch already, I don't want to eat another lunch, uh, and I'm just, it's really sad, and I don't wish that for anybody. Now, I can't change what goes on inside somebody's head. I'm not trying to, I will never pretend that I understand anorexia or bulimia or obesity, but I've worked with literally thousands of people. As I shared, I have emotional attachments with literally thousands of people who've shared the inner workings of their psychology with me and how much food has uh, destroyed their life, devastated their life, uh, every part of their life. Uh, and I, I don't, this is not about being negative, but I have to give you the negative side of this so that we don't do this to people. I want our kids to grow up in a world where they love their food, they eat what they want, they stop eating when they're full, they enjoy everything that they eat, and they never have to be ever even consider or even understand what anorexia, bulimia, exercise bulimia or obesity are. I don't want our kids to even know about them. I want them to be challenges of the past. So how do we do that? And as adults, do we have a responsibility to creating a world where our kids don't grow up hating food or hating themselves uh, and their relationship with food? So it's called the emotional eating scale and I often share it uh, for all different reasons, but it's it's simply the difference between I have no emotional attachment to food. Everything I eat is logical. I eat when I'm hungry. I stop eating when I'm full. I eat because I like the food that's there. If it's not there, it doesn't matter. Versus the the ten on the emotional eating scale, the the far end, which is food is controlling my life. So every decision in my life is determined by food, and every time food is I'm confronted with food, I have that horrible. Uh, in, internal war inside my head about whether or not I should eat that food, whether it's a good or a bad food and how much exercise I have to do to burn that food off. Once I'm at this end of the scale, once food is fully in control of my life, now it becomes a horrible process of a different scale. Uh, if I'm fighting every time with myself about food and the food wins, so I'm not hungry, I just have this food in front of me and I have this headspace, so I have to eat the whole packet, I have to eat the whole block, uh, I just have to eat food, is it possible that that's one of the reasons why people become obese and morbidly obese? Uh, because they have that, um, that, food's controlling their life and the food wins. So every time they've got food in front of them, they just keep eating. Uh, and I'm sure you've heard that expression, I have to eat the whole packet, I have to eat the whole bag. When I've got food in front of me, I just have to finish it off. Uh, and if you've ever wondered how is it possible for people to become obese and morbidly obese, is it possible that that is not a, a physiological challenge, that could be a psychological challenge? Uh, is it possible that there are people that don't eat because they're hungry? See, the, the logical reason for eating is I need sustenance to survive. I'm hungry, I need to eat food so that my body survives. But if you've ever heard this expression, I eat because I'm angry, I eat because I'm stressed, I eat for comfort, we call them comfort foods. Um, I'm eating because I'm happy, I'm eating because I'm at a social event, there's a lot of people there and I just love to eat food. Even though I'm full, I'm just going to keep eating because it just tastes good. Uh, and that, those are not 
logical reasons. Those are emotional reasons. So when I'm at that point where food is controlling my life and it's not logical anymore, it's emotional, then I could become morbidly obese or be, be very overweight because food's controlling my life. But the reverse of that and very ugly and debilitating and destroys people's lives are the people that decide that they're going to win and I'm not going to eat food. I'm going to be in control of my food. And the technical term for that is anorexia, where I want to control my food and I do and I don't want to eat. And it gets to the point where with a lot of my clients, and I've worked with medical facilities and clinics and large numbers of people with eating, and I don't like to call them eating disorders because it tends to be a label, or that's the girl with the eating disorder, or that's the anorexic, or that's the bulimic. And I hate that because each individual person is a person. They're not an anorexic. That's Julie who has challenges with her food. That's Sarah who eats food and then throws it up, which is that that really interesting headspace in between anorexia, which is I'm in control of my food and I won't eat it. Obesity, which some of the psychological challenges are, the food's controlling me and I'm going to eat it. This one in the middle here, this bulimia, where I eat everything. I eat the whole packet, I eat the whole block, I eat everything, and then I feel bad, so I throw it up. So now I've got to get rid of it, so I take laxatives, and I try and poo it out, vomit it out, try and exercise it off. And this exercise bulimia is a really interesting headspace where I'm just going to keep exercising and exercising and exercising until I think I burn up enough, burn up enough calories to, to justify the food that I'm eating or to justify the food that I've already eaten. And is it about body image? Is it about how I look? Is it about looking good? And there's a challenge with that, of course, because... There are, if you have a look particularly at anorexics, and there's bulimics you probably can't tell unless they share with you what's going on. Because the, the challenge, of course, with bulimia is that those people are eating food, uh, so some of those calories still become absorbed. So of, often there'll be a person who's bulimic, they're throwing up all the time, they're taking laxatives, they're exercising excessively, but they don't look underweight and they don't look overweight. And some of them, in fact, can, can look overweight. Uh, because they're eating so much food that, that there's calories that have been taken in. Uh, but anorexia, for example, is is not a. If you've seen anybody that's that, that has this challenge, uh, it's not a beautiful body. It's a it's a body that is so wasted away and emaciated and sick because it's not only when when you don't eat food. Yes, you burn up. Your body will burn up fat, and it will burn up every part of the fat possible but then when there's no fat left to burn up it obviously um, your, bo your body will, will use its own muscle it would it will break down muscle tissue to turn it into energy to survive it breaks down bone mineral density to turn it into energy to survive and often people that die of anorexia it's because their heart muscle has been eaten away or they die of, of their brain their brain and body just stopping because their body has used every part of their body uh, to, as energy to try and survive. Uh, I'm being as, as scary and negative and, and yucky as I possibly can because as an exercise professional, as a parent, as a teacher, as a coach, uh, what do we need to do to make sure that we never get people there? Uh, I, want, I would love for everybody to live at zero on the emotional eating scale. So we all eat when we're hungry, we stop eating when we're full, we love our food, if we put on a bit of weight, we lose it, and there's no emotional attachment to any of that. But unfortunately, because we're bombarded with the world where the way you look is really important, uh, somebody, and I'm used this as an example, I've got, this is a statue in my house, 
And I, I purchased her as a souvenir from somewhere where we had visited. Uh, but people have said to me, Ola, why have you got that, that lady in your house with the big ass or the big legs? See how judgmental we are about the human body? Interestingly, I've had somebody say exactly the opposite about this, this body. Hasn't she got a gorgeous ass and gorgeous legs? Because at that time, uh, big legs and a big bum were fashionable. So where does that put us as humans? <laughs> Trying to live up to the image of what the world suggests we should look like. Wouldn't it be nice to just be us, be, the, be healthy and be fit and be strong and accept the things that we can't change and change the things that we can and eat for performance and for pleasure, eat when we're hungry, stop eating when we're full and enjoy every part of our food uh, rather than this horrible end up here. So what do we need to do to make sure that we don't put people up this end of the scale? And I'll be straight down the line as I, as I possibly can and I don't have an answer for this. I just have many years of experience and many thousands of clients. The challenges always come from good food, good food and bad food. It starts with, this is a good food, this is a bad food. If you eat the good food, that's good for you. If you eat the bad food, that's bad for you. Surely there's not. we don't have to stretch too far that if we tell our kids that's a bad food and that child eats that food, they then feel like a bad person, which then creates this thing called guilt. And obviously guilt is not a logical emotion. First of all, it's an emotion. So guilt's going to push us up this end of the emotional eating scale. If I eat food and I enjoy it and I don't have any guilt attached to it, that means I've got no emotion attached to that food. So my first question is always this, how do we stop people from feeling guilty about the food that they ate? Because the really interesting thing is once I've eaten it, anything that's happened in the past, I can't change that. And unfortunately, that's what bulimics try and do. Because they ate it and they feel bad about it, they try and get rid of it. So I can't change that I ate it, but maybe I can throw it up or exercise it off or, or vomit it out or uh, poo it out. Uh, this is not logical. If I ate something, I can, yes, exercise it off. But I don't want to push people down this end that if I eat this bad food, then I can exercise it off and that's okay. What about there are no good or bad foods? I think, and again, I'm, just, I'm giving you my personal please. <laughs> if we tell people that a food is bad and then they eat that food because they like it. Tim Tams are really bad for you. Do you know how many calories there are in Tim Tams? Do you know how much fat there are in Tim Tams? Do you know how much sugar there are in Tim Tams? But I really like Tim Tams, but I have one like it. Maybe I shouldn't have eaten that because that's a bad food. So now I feel guilty. So now I have an emotion attached to food. So now I could feel guilty and feel like a bad person. And now I'm pushing myself towards the emotional end of the eating scale where food is now controlling my life. See, the people that are at zero on the emotional eating scale, if they're hungry and there's Tim Tams to eat, they'll eat them. If I have these sitting on my kitchen bench and somebody comes into my house and they're not hungry and they're at zero on the emotional eating scale, they won't even see these because they're not hungry. If they come into my house and I've got these sitting on my kitchen bench and they're hungry, they'll eat them until they're full and then they'll stop eating and then they'll move on. And if I ask them, what did you eat yesterday? I don't remember. I just eat when I'm hungry and I stop eating when I'm full. That's called the logical end of the emotional eating scale. 
The worst example of this, and I, I, I always share this experience because I would love you to know how bad this can get. I was working with a group of girls in a private clinic for girls with eating challenges. And I use the word challenge because I believe you can overcome a challenge. When you are labelled as an anorexic with an eating disorder, it's very difficult to get out of the stigma of that. So I was working with these girls because as an exercise professional, uh, the people of the, the, of the clinic in the hospital, the medical professionals, had a really good understanding that these girls' bones were wasting away and their muscles were wasting away. And it could be a really good idea to keep them strong and to keep them fit so that their, their, a, their muscles and bones didn't waste away, but if they were fit, they would have happy chemicals pumping into their, into their brains, which is a really unique way of handling this particular challenge because most people don't handle any kind of eating disorder challenge, anorexia, bulimia, even obesity with exercise. It's very rare for people to use exercise as a medicine for any of these challenges. But this particular clinic was using exercise as a way, number one, to build the girl's bones back, build their muscles back, but most importantly, to put happy drugs into their, into their brain rather than using pharmaceutical chemicals to do that. So I was training these girls. We were doing strength training. We were doing huffy puffy exercise. And I built beautiful relationships with all of these girls. And I will share this with you, that one of the biggest things that every single one of my clients with eating challenges has shared with me, that they hate being treated like an anorexic. They hate being treated like a bulimic. They hate being treated as the obese person. They just want to be treated as a real person. So I knew all of the girls' names and I knew all about their family and I knew all about them and they used to share everything with me. The fact that they were cutting themselves or throwing up or all sorts of things. They would share with me because they trusted me. So what happened, uh, I went in this particular day and there was one of, the, one of the beautiful girls who shared with me that she was really miserable today and really depressed. And I said, well, talk to me, what's going on? And she pulled out her diary and in her diary... One year ago, so she, it was like she was not celebrating, but she was remembering that one year ago she'd had a piece of chocolate cake. One year ago, and she felt angry and depressed and annoyed and disappointed with herself that one year ago she'd eaten some chocolate cake. I don't want that for anybody. How about you? Now, she believed that chocolate cake was a very bad food, but her headspace was... Uh, she was in that position where all food was bad and she was trying to eat as little as possible. So I'm asking you very personally, as a parent, as a teacher, as a coach, as somebody who's responsible for food that goes into people's bodies and the way people feel about food, would it be a really good idea that there are no good or bad foods, just the amount in which we eat them? Now, if I eat one piece of this, it's going to be yummy. If I eat the whole lot, I'm going to feel sick. But I always use the example, if I eat one apple, I'm going to feel great. It's fresh, crispy apple, yummy. But if I eat a whole bag of apples, I'm going to feel sick. If I eat, uh, and we always use broccoli as the example, if I eat broccoli, which I don't because I don't like it, I don't waste calories on food that I don't like. But if you eat a bit of broccoli, broccoli is considered a good food. It's considered even a superfood. But if you eat three kilograms of broccoli at one time, you're going to feel sick. So I'm sharing with you again that, you can label foods good or bad, but is it possible that there are other people you might think a food's bad and another person thinks it's a great food? There's uh, lots of examples of vegan vegetarians who think that meat is terrible, but carnivores think that vegetables are terrible. 
Is it possible that if we start labeling foods as good or bad, then people feel good or bad or there's guilt attached and then we send people down that emotional eating scale? I want our kids to grow up in a world where they eat a piece of chocolate, not the whole block. They eat a piece of chocolate and thoroughly enjoy it if they like chocolate and why would we give them chocolate if they don't want to eat it? They eat some vegetables and love them, but why would they go and eat three kilograms? It just sounds ridiculous. Everything we do, and we, we call it moderation for a reason. Every time we go to the extreme of anything, we are now creating something that's going to be extreme. What about with food, if we could do this for everybody? Eat when you're hungry. Stop eating when you're full. Eat what you love. Don't eat what you don't love. And treat food as a normal part of life. It's not an enemy. It's not a friend. It's just food. It's not a macronutrient, it's not a calorie, it's not a fat gram, it's not sugar, it's just food. And what if we could all love our food and we eat for pleasure and performance and make normal food a normal part of our life? Wouldn't that be awesome?